What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. So hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Conscious Love Show podcast. Um, as always, pleasure and an honor to be here with you and um, really looking forward to jumping into today's conversation. And today we're talking about how the things we avoid create an invisible, an invisible ceiling in our lives that pretty much limits the possibility. And what I want to say is human beings have a, a disease. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a human disease that we're all born with and we all carry it throughout our lives. And one of my, one of my mentors um, used to refer to this as chronic reasonableness. Um, but it's this, it's this addiction to the familiar. It's an addiction to what's safe, to what's comfortable, to what fits inside my box. Right. And so what my mentor was talking about when he said that there's a chronic reasonableness, right? And, and it's, it's chronic in the sense that it's ongoing. It never stops. And my mind is always trying to formulate a view of reality that feels good to me, that feels safe, that feels okay, that feels like I'm not going to fail. And it causes me to live my life within a very small box, right? It causes me to live my life within a very limited scope of what's possible, of what's available, of the life I could have, of the person I could be. Because the way it works is we're all kind of addicted to what's familiar. And we're all, and when I say all of us, I mean human beings. Now, of course, there are exceptions to this. There are, there are certain ones of us that have stepped way outside of the domain of what's familiar. And those people have extraordinary lives. They have extraordinary passion. They have extraordinary love. They have extraordinary careers. Like Their lives create the extraordinary because they have broken the boundary of what was safe and comfortable and familiar. And they have stretched themselves into new territory. And in that new territory, they created new possibilities where basically this new territory allowed them to experience a new reality that became their reality that was much more, much bigger, much larger, much more inspiring, much more fulfilling than the old reality, than the small box of comfort and safety that they had spent most of their life living in. And so the majority of humanity is, as I've talked about many times, chasing pleasure, avoiding pain within a very small box of possibility. And this box of small possibilities, what we call our comfort zone, it's what's familiar, it's what we know, it's what we feel like we can control, it's what our past has had plenty of. And so even if it's ultimately unfulfilling or unrewarding or even painful at times, there's enough of it in our past that it's familiar enough that it doesn't scare me and so I'm okay with accepting it. And I think all of us, all of us kind of find ourselves in this struggle where 
there's a certain version of life that feels okay for us. And yes, it's not rewarding. It's not deeply fulfilling. I don't feel deeply loved. I don't feel so passionate. I can barely contain myself, right? It's, it's a, it's like a slow death. It's like a, it's like a dull kind of, yeah, I think dull, like a slowly dying experience of life where again, I'm not on fire. I'm not inspired. I'm not living up to my greatest potential, but I'm also not highly triggered. I'm not highly afraid. I'm not super uncomfortable, right? Everything feels okay for me. And all human beings are caught somewhere between this slow, dull death where you're just kind of sitting in a comfortable place waiting to die and where you're really living out on the skinny branches of life, right? Where you're really putting yourself out there in the world in the most bold and powerful way you can possibly imagine. And yes, a lot of the time you're terrified, right? Like like your nervous system is like, holy shit, like I haven't adapted to this yet. But, but what comes with that is your life is always expanding. It is always getting bigger. And yes, when you step out onto those skinny branches, your nervous system freaks out a little bit. It goes like, oh my God, what am I doing here? That I, I, I could break, I could fall. But as you learn to live on the skinny branches, as you learn to navigate the skinny branches, what starts to happen is you start to develop confidence on those skinny branches and then you become comfortable in what was once uncomfortable for you. And once you achieve that place or once you arrive at that place, your life is never the same ever, ever again. Because there is a whole world of possibility that is now available to you that was not available before. There is a whole world of possibility, of things you can do, of ways you can relate with people, of ways you can communicate, of ways you can express yourself, of things you can ask for, of things you can try for in life. Like there's just a whole new world available to you that never existed for you before. And what I've come to find in my journey and in coaching literally thousands of people is that fulfillment in life only can ever be found by stretching yourself into those areas. And as long as you avoid those areas, you will have a relatively familiar, safe, and comfortable life where you're not challenged, where you're not highly triggered, where you're not afraid, and you will be unfulfilled. And your life will lack grandeur and happiness and passion. And I want to I want to share a few things about this because... I really got thinking about this yesterday because I had a conversation with um, one of my students in the Inspired Love program who she's actually decided to drop the program. Um, she's decided to quit the program. And something I have in place as a part of the program is, is I have a money back guarantee. And the reason I have that is because it's very important for me that people choose the program. Right. It's, it's very important to me that people aren't just here like, oh, like a lot of coaches don't do a money back guarantee. Right. A lot of coaches, it's like sign up for my program. No refunds. You get what you get. And I understand why they do that, because if you're running a program and you're investing lots of money in marketing and all kinds of stuff, and then you get a bunch of refunds like that could that could wreck your business. That could put you in a tough financial place. So I understand why people do that, but I don't do it. And, and the simple reason I don't do it is because it's so important for me that when people do my program, that they choose to be there, right? And so I'm like, look, you have a period where you can get in, you can get exposed, you can join the coaching sessions, and then you can make a choice about it. Do you want to continue on with it or not? 
because I want people when they're there to like, I'm choosing this for myself. This is what I want. I'm going for it. So this is one of the people and it doesn't happen often, but occasionally we'll have someone request a refund and they just, they don't want to continue on in the program. They want a refund. And when that happens, I always like to have a conversation with that person first because there are all different reasons for that, right? Some people are like, well, my work schedule changed and I can no longer attend the sessions and like, I don't want to pay for something I can't even show up to. I get that. No problem. Um, some people, they're like, my religious beliefs just conflict with the spiritual perspectives that are introduced in the program. I just can't get on board with this. Okay, got it. Program's not for you, right? So there are, there are valid reasons why this wouldn't be for someone. But then there are other reasons. And when, when someone wants to, when someone wants to quit the program, I always want to find out, are they quitting because they're avoiding something? Are they quitting because something is uncomfortable for them here? And just choosing out of it is going to take me back to my safe, comfortable, familiar life where I don't have to ask these questions. I don't have to sit in on these conversations. I don't have to look at myself. I don't have to push myself into areas that I'm afraid of, right? I just, I just avoid it altogether, right? And so this was one of those situations. And what, what the person essentially said was that it's too, like, I'm too uncomfortable working in a group like this, sharing my stuff with other people, listening to other people's stuff. Like it's just, it's overwhelming. It's too uncomfortable for me. And, and I get that. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. And what I was talking to this person about, and, and she ended up choosing to quit and she has another path. I get that's totally okay. But what I was talking to this person about, and the question I was asking her was, I was saying, you know, I get that it's uncomfortable for you. I get that it's challenging for you. I get that it's scarier for, it's scary for you, right? Like I get that when you're in that environment, something happens in your nervous system that makes you want to turn and run. And the question I asked her is, who do you think you would be on the other side of that? And I want everyone to just sit here and think about this for a moment because I'm, I'm using an example of a person who was in my program, something they went through, but I want you to think about yourself and your own life and something you're going through right now or something that you've been facing in your life and you've been running from, something that you have been facing up to in your life, but when it comes time to, to stand face to face with it, you turn and avoid, you turn and run from it. Because the question I posed this person was, I said, who would you be on the other side of it? Like, I really want you to think about this. So I get it. You show up to a group of people, the idea of opening yourself up to this group of people, the idea of sharing your story and hearing these people hear it, right? And what they might think about you or how they might judge you or all this stuff. Like, that's very scary, right? But now I want you to imagine a version of you who on the other side of it could show up to a room of people like that Open yourself up. This is my story. This is who I am. This is what I've been through. This is what I'm working on. This is where I'm learning. This is what I'm growing. This is how I'm practicing. This is the help I need, right? Like just really authentically open yourself up to a group of people like that. And instead of being terrified by that experience, instead of needing to run and hide from that experience, to be able to hold that experience within your context, to be able to become comfortable in the discomfort of that, right? To be able to have a, an identity that is so clear about who you are and the value that you carry 
And like the, the God-given gift that you are as a human being to even be existing in this world right now and your fundamental right to exist that was given to you by your own creator. And to, to really own all of that within yourself and to open yourself up heart open in front of a group of people and expose your vulnerability. And what I was, what I was trying to communicate to this person, and again, I, I want to be clear. I'm sharing the story about this person, but I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about you right now. And who is you? It's whoever's hearing this message. So I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about you. And I'm using this as an example to illustrate where we all get stuck in our lives. Because you see, there's a version of her that is so afraid to even open herself up in the group. And this is what I actually did. I just, I just want to share this because I want, I want you to see how far our egos will go to keep our life small. And I told her, I said, listen, I'm going to give you the refund. You can leave the program. No, no questions asked. Not going to give you a hard time. I just have one request of you. One request. I'm going to give you your refund. You can leave the program. No problem. I just have one request. This is my one request. That before you leave the program, you show up to class tomorrow night. You introduce yourself. You say, hi, everybody. You tell us a little bit about your story. You, you open up yourself and be vulnerable with the group. And then leave. And, and this person wouldn't even do that. Now, I agree, the program's probably not right for her because if she, if she couldn't even do that, then she couldn't even succeed in this program. But what I, was, what I was trying to impress upon her was that there was an opportunity in her life. There was an opportunity in her life right in front, of, like literally right in front of her face. There was an opportunity for her to completely transform every unfulfilling aspect of her past, everything in her life that she says, I don't want any more of that, I'm tired of this. You know, she shared it like, I want a relationship. I want a passionate career. I want to be more alive. I want to feel differently about myself. Like these were the reasons that she signed up for the program in the first place. And then the opportunity to literally create that was right in front. It was literally right there. It's literally right there to create everything you want in your life. It's literally standing right in front of you. And all you've got to do is go inside your own heart and find the courage and find the courage to take that leap. And if you could just go inside your own heart and find the courage to take that leap, your whole life would open up right in front of you and it would never be the same ever again because you would become different. Because you would go from being the person who had never done that before to being the person who had done it. You would go from being the person who couldn't even imagine doing that to being the person who has done it, conquered it, and moved on from it, and now what can I do? And this is what I want to suggest for every single one of you who will hear this message, whether you're live with me right now, whether you're hearing the podcast somewhere, wherever you are, wherever you're hearing this message, this is what I want you to get, is that there is something in your life right now that is making that same invitation to you. There is something in your life right now that you are avoiding, something you're afraid of, something you haven't faced up to yet. And you're running around in circles and you're running this way and it finds you over there. And you're running that way and it finds you over there. And you go straight ahead and it finds you there. And no matter where you go, you keep hitting it and you keep avoiding it. And that thing, whatever that is, is becoming a ceiling 
on your life. It's becoming a ceiling that you cannot get past, that you cannot transcend. I'm just going to use this example a little bit more because it's such a juicy one, right? Because this is a program about relationships. And she signed up for this program because she wanted a relationship. And now here she is in this program with the opportunity to be in relationship with other people. And that is the blockage. That's the place where she gets stuck. That's the place where she stops. That's the place where she avoids, right? When it comes to being vulnerably and intimately in relationship with other people. And this is what I shared with her. I said, honey, like, if you cannot do it in this environment, you think you're going to go out there and meet a partner and be able to have a deep, intimate relationship with them? You're not going to be able to. Because, see, this is the thing, is we think it's about what's happening outside of us. We think it's about what's happening in the external world. Oh, well, I don't like this. I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. I want a safer way. I want an easier way. I want a way that's not so challenging. And we think we're avoiding things in the external world. What we're really avoiding are things inside of ourselves. You see, what we're really avoiding are the places within ourselves that we will not allow ourselves to go. And the external world, it's, the external world is like a game. I say this all the time. It's, it's only the reflective mirror. There's nothing real happening outside of you. It's only reflecting your own relationship with yourself back to you. And so you say, oh, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to avoid that. And all you're really saying is there are places within myself that I'm not willing to go. And then that place within yourself that you are not willing to go defines your whole life. And like I said, you can run here, you can run there, you can run everywhere. But that same place that you are unwilling to go is going to become your blockage everywhere you go. And this is, this is what I told her at the end of our conversation. I said, listen, I really want you to understand. I really want you to understand something right now. Is there is an opportunity in front of you to challenge a limitation that you have and to open up a whole new possibility for your life. And you are choosing not to take that challenge. And what's going to happen from here moving forward is that challenge is going to find you everywhere you go in life. And you will stay stuck in life and nothing will change until you rise to that challenge. It's just a simple fact of reality. It's just the way it works. So what are some other ways we do this? Like, let's, let's make this real and practical for everyone, right? What are some other ways we do this? Well, a lot of times clients will come to me and they will have never created boundaries in a relationship, right? They will, they will have never, they will have never said to someone like, this is my line and you can't cross it. If you do this, we're done, right? Or, or this behavior is unacceptable to me. The next time this happens, we're done, right? A lot of people have never done that. And so what happens for people, if we take this example of boundaries over and over and over again, is you are going to constantly go out and you are going to constantly create relationships where your boundaries are overridden, where people walk all over you, where people take advantage of you, where they don't respect you, where you say something and what you say doesn't get honored, right? You are going to go out in your life and you are going to create relationships with people like this over and over and over and over and over again 
Why? Because that is the ceiling on your life, right? That's the ceiling that you have to break through to get to the next level of possibility. You see, the universe is basically saying, I'm not going to give you any more until you learn this lesson right here. You see, I'm not gonna let you have more in your life until you learn to adequately work with what you're already given. Like, And this is what most of us do. We say, I want more, I want more, I want more love, I want more money, I want more success, I want more popularity, I want more friends, I want more admiration, right? We want all of this stuff. And we say, if I had more, then I would be happy, then I would feel better about myself, then I would feel more worthy, then I would feel more alive, I would have more passion. What we don't realize is that the reason we don't have more and the reason we're not getting more is because we haven't brought a level of mastery to what we already have. You see, people are saying, I want a relationship. I want my special someone who loves me just as much as I love them. And we fall asleep in each other's arms every night and we wake up together and kiss each other good morning. People say, I want that relationship. I want that love. I want that partner. And it's like, okay, awesome. It's really nice that you want that, but how are you showing up to life? Are you showing up to life in a way that would actually warrant you having that? Or are you running when you get afraid? And I, I think we underestimate what a, what a big calling it is to really have the extraordinary things in life. Like we want, we want a deep, passionate, loving relationship and, and we feel entitled to it. Like it's a, like it's a, like it's a gumball from the gumball machine. Like, like think about how crazy that is. Like you're, when you say I want like a, a really like solid, deep, passionate, loving, intimate, committed partnership, like you're asking somebody, like when you think about that, what you are really asking somebody for, is you're asking somebody to spend like every day of the rest of their lives with you. Like really, really let that in for a moment. Like you're saying, I want another human being to choose to spend every day of the rest of their lives with me. And we feel entitled to that. We feel like it's owed to us. We feel like just because I'm alive and I desire love that I should have that, but this would be my question for anyone who says they want that. And this, this might be a, conf a confrontive question for some people, but it's an important question to ask. So this would be my question, is what makes you so extraordinary that you are worth somebody spending every day of the rest of their lives with you? And if you can't answer that question, if you don't have a good answer for that question, well, we got a problem. Because you want something that it doesn't sound like you deserve. And if that's too harsh, I'm sorry, but I'm just being real with you right now. Now, are you worthy of it? Of course you are. You're made from the same God stuff that everybody is. Every extraordinary thing that happens in the world is also alive inside of you. Now, you might not be able to manifest it in the exact same way someone else does. Like, look, I'm never going to be a professional NBA player. Okay, I'm five foot four. Like, it's just, like, I'm not going to be a professional NBA player. But that level of greatness is inside of me, and that can be expressed in its own way, right? That level of greatness is inside of me, and that can be expressed in its own way. 
in, in a way that is unique to me, in a way that only I can express it. So there is the extraordinary inside of me. There is the amazing inside of me. There is the profoundly lovable inside of me. But the question is, is that what I'm bringing to life? Or am I so scared of life that I hide that, that I withhold that, and I put on a pretty little pleasant version of myself that's not going to get me into any trouble? That's going to keep me safe in all environments. Like, this is what I want to say is like, you cannot be safe and comfortable in all environments and find love. You just can't. The very process of creating love is going to force you into some of the most uncomfortable environments you'll ever be in. Like, I think about some of the challenges that my wife and I have had in the course of our relationship and how much, like how uncomfortable some of these like some of these experiences have been with each other. I think of how vulnerable we've become with each other. We, we can't even talk. We've become with each other over the years. How much of ourselves we have revealed to each other. And I want to tell you, if I had not gotten comfortable revealing myself and becoming intimate with people, Prior to my wife, I would not have been ready for this relationship. And I want to share a story because I want, like, I want to really, I want to really convey how deep this goes. And so I did a program when I was, when I was 23, 24 years old. This was, I mean, I was, so when I was 21, I got into AA. And that was like, that was like my first, my first kind of, check at personal development work. And I I got into AA and then AA ultimately led me to this other program I got involved with that was not related to drugs or alcohol or anything. It was just kind of a personal development seminar. And I got involved in this um in this seminar training company. And it was it was profound. It was it was like definitely hands down like one of the most pivotal things I had ever done in my life. And it was, it was a multiple part training. So there's like a first part, a second part, a third part. And the whole, the whole thing was like four or five months long if you did it beginning to end. And, um, I, uh, I did the first part and, and I want to share that in the first part, like I didn't open up at all. I sat in my seat. I had like very comfortable responses to everything. And I, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to understand like where my journey started. And what I had to go through to get to where I am today. And so, like in the first part of this training, I didn't even speak the whole time. Like when people asked me questions, I had very like surface answers. Like I just, I played the game. I I said the right things. I looked cool. I I hid behind my wall and I just poof, breezed through it, right? Protected myself the whole time. And I thought I was doing so good. Well, then I got to the second part of this training. And in the second part, there was no just coasting through. Like the way this training was designed, if you tried to do that, it would catch up with you. And that's what happened to me. So I want to share exactly what happened to me in this training. There was an exercise that we did. And um, 
I don't want to go into all the details of the exercise, but I basically want to say that um, this was on this was on the second day of the training. Now these were long days, right? We're talking about you're you're in a room with say 50, 60 people for like 12 hours a day. Now this is the second day of the training. So I've I've been with these people for like almost 24 hours at this point. Okay, we've spent two days together, long days going through intense processes, vulnerable sharing. Now, up to this point in the training, I was still hiding. I had still not opened myself up. I had still not shared anything. I had still not revealed anything to anyone. Now, here's what happened. We did an exercise where basically, basically everyone in the room got three votes. And you... Basically, the vote was if you wanted someone to live. So I have three votes. So there are, say, 60 people in the room. I can vote for three of these people to live, and I have to vote for everyone else to die. Now, I want you to really listen to what I'm about to share, because this is one of the most profound experiences of my entire life. Everybody in the room gets three votes for who they want to live. Everyone else, they vote for that person to die. Now, this is based on basically 24 hours that you've been with someone, right? You've been with someone for two days. And now after two 12 hour days, after two 12 hour days, you have to vote if you want this person to live or die. You only get three votes for who gets to live. So like most of your votes, you're voting for people to die, right? Now, the reason this experience was so profound for me was because there were very, very few people in that room that actually wanted me to live. Out of 60 people, I think three people voted for me to live. Now, this was like, this was one of the most profound experiences of feedback. Like, like this was the community that I was participating in telling me how I showed up for them. Out of 60 people, only three people wanted me to live. Now it gets worse. One of the people in the room was one of my best friends. We were roommates. We lived together. We hung out every single day. He voted for me to die. There, there was another, uh, another woman in the room. I had met her during the first part of the training. We were talking on the phone every night. We were going out to dinner together. We were like, we were starting, like we were playing music together. We were just, we were becoming great friends. She voted for me to die. Now I had to sit there and watch 57 out of 60 people vote for me to die and three people vote for me to live. Now, after this exercise, I went up to my friend, my one of my best friends at the time. And I asked him like, why, why didn't you vote for me to live? And this was his answer, his honest answer. He said, look, man, I only had three votes. You didn't make the cut. It was that simple. I asked the woman I just told you about, same thing. Why didn't you vote for me to live? She said the same thing. I only had three votes. You didn't make the cut. Now, what this landed for me, what this, this experience, one of the most profound experiences of my entire life, what this landed for me, was that when I walk into a room of people, I am not showing up for a way. I am not showing up in a way in which my existence matters to those people. 
I am not carrying a presence with me in my life that is significant for other people in the world. I'm basically invisible in the planet. I'm basically invisible. And here I am. I wanted love. Like I was, I was, I was a young single guy at the time. Like I wanted love. I wanted a partner. I wanted to be successful financially. I wanted a good job. I wanted to make money, right? I wanted respect and admiration of the people around me, right? Like I, I wanted the same things we all wanted. We all want. Like, I, I mean, I, I wasn't still not any different. Like I wanted the same things we all want. What was revealed to me in that exercise was that I was not showing up in life in a way where I had any legitimate claim to the things I wanted in life. I wanted them. So do 7 billion other people. But I wasn't showing up to life in a way where I had a legitimate claim to those things. And so this is the question we've really all got to ask ourselves. Am I showing up to life in a way where I have a legitimate claim to the things I want? Or am I hiding in life, just hoping that somehow, some way, they're going to come to me? The next morning after that experience, so that was, that was a, a big experience. We were, that process I just described to you of the voting for people, we went to like 2, 3 a.m. doing that. I, I showed back up to the training the next day before the training even started. The, the doors hadn't even opened yet. And I circled up everybody. I said, everybody, I have something to say. And I stood up on a chair in front of the whole room. This was the first, the first time I had spoke publicly in this entire thing. We're like nine days in now. First time I'd spoke publicly in the entire thing. I gathered everyone around me. I stood up on a chair. I said, I just want to acknowledge something. I've been living my life like a coward. I've been righteous and thinking I know it all and thinking I'm so smart and living behind my wall and playing it safe and keeping it comfortable. And I have not been showing up for my life. And, and I made a promise to everyone in that room that day. I said, I said, from now on, like this is my promise to everybody here and to myself is from now on, I'm going all out of my life. I am not hiding, I'm not holding back. And, and I can honestly say from that day forward, I have honored that promise. Now, it doesn't mean there's not still room to grow. It doesn't mean I'm not still learning. I'm learning all the time. I'm always opening up new things for myself. But what I have learned, and I think maybe that was the experience where I learned it, but what I've learned is that when I become afraid of something, I know that is the next thing I need to do. When, when something scares me, I know that is the universe revealing to me, this is your next level of growth. And if you hide from that, it's just going to chase you and chase you and chase you until you face it. So I gave the example earlier of not creating boundaries. Some of us don't create boundaries. Some of us don't ask for what we want in life. Some of us don't walk away 
from people in situations that don't serve us. Some of us don't know how to let go. Some of us don't ever put ourselves out there. We don't ever open ourselves up. We don't ever expose ourselves. We never face rejection. Some of us never become intimate. We never really reveal ourselves. Right? So there are, there are so many different levels of this. And you've got to look at, like, where are you stopping right now? Because what, what, I, what I want you to really understand is, like, everything you say you want in your life, your dreams, right? If it's that deep, loving, passionate relationship, if it's, if it's to do work that is deeply meaningful to you, if it's to feel great about who you are, to feel really great in your own skin, to feel at home in your own body, right? To think highly of yourself, to feel worthy, to feel beautiful. Right? Whatever, whatever your dreams are, what I want you to see is that they're just simply waiting for you on the other side of everything that scares you. That's all. We feel like our dreams are so far away. They're not that far away. They're just literally right on the other side of everything that scares you. That's all. They're not far away at all. They're like, they're right there. Now, I understand it might take some time. Right. And, and I, I say, like, if, if your thing is, let's just go with the creating boundaries example, right? If your thing is creating boundaries, right? You've never, you've never learned to create boundaries before in your life. Well, yeah, you're going to need to start creating boundaries, right? So first thing you want to, you want to have that deep, loving, passionate, respectful, honoring relationship. And you've never created boundaries with anyone before. Okay. First thing you're going to need to do is pay attention to when someone is violating your boundaries. Now, if you've become so accustomed to people violating your boundaries, you probably don't even know when people are violating your boundaries. You've probably gotten so familiar with that feeling of being stepped on that you don't even feel like you're being stepped on anymore. You just feel like that's normal. So first thing you've got to do is wake up to what does it feel like to be stepped on? Let me actually identify that feeling in my body when I feel like someone's stepping on me. What does that feel like? Right? Like that's the first thing you've got to do. Once you identify that, then you go, okay, oh, I'm noticing it. Oh, I'm getting stepped on here. Oh, I'm getting stepped on here. Oh, wow, I'm being stepped on. Wow, it's like just people are walking all over me. Well, they are walking all over you. You know why? Because your whole life you've been a doormat. And people have been walking all over you in your whole life and you never even realized it. Now you're bringing awareness to it. All of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what it feels like to get stepped on. Okay, well, now what's the next step? First step is just to recognize it. What's the next step? The next step is to speak up about it. Next step is to say, hey, you can't do that. No, my boundary is no. My boundary is not okay. Right, that's the next step. Then what's the next step after that? Well, you got to follow through on it. It's not enough just to speak up about it because you'll speak up about it and someone will go, yeah, 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 I get it. It's fine. And then they'll do it again, right? So it's not enough just to speak up about it. You've got to uphold it. You've got to reinforce it. You've got to say, hey, I said no and I meant no. And it's still no. And if they don't get it that time, you've got to say, I said no twice. The next time we're done. The next time this relationship is over, this friendship, this business acquaintanceship, I quit my job, whatever it is. 
whatever it is, right? You, yeah, you, people are like, oh, I can't quit my job. Yes, you can. You can quit your job. You say to your boss, I will not accept these conditions. If you don't give me something new, I quit. And you say, oh my God, I would be so afraid if I quit. Welcome to being alive. If I quit my job, I'd be so afraid I wouldn't know what to do. Welcome to being alive. Wow, you would actually be uncomfortable for a little bit. You would actually have to live life on the skinny branches and navigate things a little bit and not have all the answers. And wow, what might it feel like to actually be alive for once? And you see, everything you want in your life is just simply waiting for you on the other side of everything you're afraid of. So many people spend decades, spend their whole life in a job they hate just to avoid the discomfort of trying something new. And then they wonder, like, why am I not happy? Why am I not passionate? Why don't I have a great relationship? Because your whole life has been spent in a soul-sucking context. So that's one example, boundaries. Some people have intimacy issues. Some people say, oh no, you can't see me. I have, I have my sweet little demeanor that I put on. I smile, I'm pleasant, I say the right things, I do the right things. I'm full of rage inside, but nobody will ever see that, right? When you see me, I just smile. Inside, I'm angry and frustrated, and I feel like life has been, you know, life has stepped all over me and everything, but, but on the outside, I smile and I'm pleasant. You'll never see me, you'll never really know me, right? If that's you, you might need to start speaking your truth. You might need to be honest enough. See, some of you, the thing that makes you uncomfortable is making other people uncomfortable. Right? The thing that makes you uncomfortable is making other people uncomfortable. And so you've lived your whole life in a prison of making sure everyone around you is comfortable making sure they all like you, making sure they feel good, making sure they don't think anything badly of you. And if you've done that, you don't even have an identity of your own because your identity is just a mishmash of the expectations of other people. You just took a little bit from over here, a little bit from over there, a little bit from over here, pieced it all together, and now this is who I am. This mishmash of what I think other people want. So if that's you, first, you know, similar to like, what does it feel like to be stepped on? What does it feel like to be me, <laughs> right? Like that might be your first question. What does it feel like to make a choice that is not based on what I think somebody else wants? What does it feel like to make a choice that is just simply for myself? Some of you have never done that before. Some of you have never done that. You've actually never made a choice only for you. All of your life choices have been about what you thought other people wanted. So again, first question would be like, what do I want? It might take some time to even get clear on that. And then the process of going for it 
the process of denying other people what they want sometimes, which would make you uncomfortable. Some people have to always have the upper hand, right? So I'm never vulnerable. I never open my heart to anyone. I never, I never let someone have power over me. I always have the upper hand. You see, when I coach people, I say, first thing you do in a relationship, give away the upper hand. <laughs> Some people have spent their whole life doing everything possible to never give away the upper hand. I say, first thing, give away the upper hand. Just so you can find out if the other person is mature enough to have it. Give away the upper hand just so you can find out how this person's character handles having the upper hand. Do they get a big head? Do they become egocentric? Do they start to play games? That'd be really useful information to have early on in a relationship. But you see, if your, if your comfort familiar pattern is so much about having the upper hand, then you will never even give the other person enough space in the relationship to reveal their true character. You'll never even find out who you're dating because you'll spend the whole time managing every aspect of the relationship, making sure you have the upper hand in all of it. And it's vulnerable. Like it's vulnerable to open yourself up and potentially be rejected by someone. But man, that's a superpower. You know, I went through a phase of my life and, and I would say women can do this just as much as men. This is not something that only men can do. Women can do this just as much as men. I went through a phase of my life where any time I met a woman I was attracted to, I would ask her to get a cup of coffee with me. Didn't matter who she was, how tall she was. Like it didn't matter. Like it just, it, it was a commitment I made to myself. And I didn't do it because I wanted to go on dates with all these women. I did it because I wanted to conquer my fear of rejection. I did it because intellectually, I knew that I was worthy of having a cup of coffee with anyone on the planet. Intellectually, in my own mind, I understood that I was worthy of having a cup of coffee with anyone on the planet. Doesn't matter how hot she is or how tall she is or whatever, right? I am worthy enough for that. I knew that intellectually, I had to experientially bring that into reality. You see, I had to take the idea about it from a concept about it to a living, breathing reality for me. And women, you can do the same thing. Women say, I don't want to chase a man. Inviting someone to grab a cup of coffee with you is not chasing him, okay? Blowing his phone up for six weeks after that is chasing him. An invitation to get a cup of coffee does not mean you are chasing a man. Okay, if you want to work through your own fear of rejection, it is totally okay for you to do that. You see an attractive man, walk over to him and say, hi, I noticed you over here. I was wondering if you want to get a cup of coffee. Here's my number. Give me a call if you do. You can totally do that. Because, and, and by the way, I got re rejected a lot, right? There, there were... I mean, some women would say to me, like, sure, but just as a friend, 
right? That's a kind of rejection. It's a polite rejection, but it's a kind of rejection, right? Someone, someone, uh, some women would say like, oh, no, I'm just too busy. I don't have time, right? Or no, thank you. Nice offer, but no thanks, right? So I would get all kinds of responses. And like, I, I want to tell you this, like in practicing that, I literally got to a place inside myself where the responses just don't matter. It was like, it was literally the same if they said yes or if they said no. Like like my emotional experience was literally the exact same if they said yes or if they said no. Why? Because I worked through my discomfort around that. Now, if I hadn't done that, like, like I want everyone to hear what I'm saying. If I hadn't gone through that exercise where I had three people vote for me to live and everyone else voted for me to die, and I stood up on the chair the next day and made a commitment to the whole room and myself that I was not going to sell out of my life anymore, and if I hadn't started really going for it and given myself these exercises, like, like I really want you to get this. If I hadn't done every step along the way before I met my wife, I would have met my wife and it would have been like two ships passing in the night. I wouldn't have seen her. She wouldn't have seen me. I wouldn't have been ready for her. I might have tried, but not had the confidence to follow through. I mean, like whatever, any version of this, right? But it was the preparation for that moment that made me able to seize that moment when it happened. And so many of us in this world are sitting around waiting for that moment to come, but we are not preparing ourselves for that moment. And then you wonder why it never comes. And the truth is, it's coming all the time. It's coming every day. It's right there, right now, everywhere you go. The moment is always there. You just haven't reached a place in your own consciousness where you have the readiness to seize the moment. And the reason you don't have the readiness to seize the moment is because you're too afraid. And the reason you're too afraid is because you have not conquered your fears. You have not created a new relationship with your fear. And so your fear still tells you what you can and can't do Your fear says it's okay to do this. It's not okay to do that. It's okay to go on a date. It's not okay to ask for what you want. It's okay to make small talk. It's not okay to ask about a relationship. It's okay to do things that other people want you to do. It's not okay to create a boundary. It's okay to sit and read a book and listen to a podcast. It's not okay to open up to a group of strangers and share your heart. And your fear is telling you what you can and can't do. And because your fear is telling you what you can and can't do, your life will only reflect the things that your fear gives you permission to do. And that will define your life. That will become your life. Your life will be a reflection of your fear. And all the dreams that you have are just waiting on the other side of that fear saying, come get me, come find me. Just find the courage in your own heart and I'm right here waiting for you. 
Now, we all have our journey to get there. And, you know, I, I want to go back to talking about this person who's in the program because I'm not saying that her situation's hopeless. No, like, look, maybe, maybe I was asking her to jump from A to F. And she needs to go from A to B. Right? And, and then maybe she'll go from B to C and C to D and D to E and E to F, right? And then she'll get to F. She'll still get there. She just needed to take smaller steps along the way. Some of us are like that. I get that. I'm not knocking it. But there is, there is some subtle nuance here. Because here's, here's the nuance in this. It's like, yeah, I'm asking you to go from A to F. And you're not ready to go from A to F. You're like, I need to go to B first and then C and I'll get to F eventually, but I need to take my steps. I get that. That's valid. Not knocking it. But here's the possibility. Is that if you could find it in your heart, if you could find it in your soul somewhere, if you could find the courage inside of yourself to just make that leap and jump from A to F, you wouldn't need to go through B, D, C, and E. B, C, D, and E. Right? You wouldn't need to go through those steps. And this is how you take a quantum leap in life. My journey, like I'm 33 years old right now. I, I've created, I've created a career that like in terms of, in terms of the income and the fulfillment that I have in my career. I mean, a lot of people who spend eight, 10, 12 years in school don't have what I have. And I don't say that to brag. It's just, it's just a fact. And how have I been able to create that? By taking quantum leaps in my life. By taking these quantum leaps that I'm describing to you. You know, like I'm, I'm in a very loving, supportive marriage. Like, again, I don't know what's going to happen. Anything could happen. But it's, it's highly, highly likely that my wife and I will be married for the rest of our lives. Why? Because we love each other deeply. We have a very strong commitment. We're working on our relationship constantly. We work through challenges and we both really want to be here. And we have big dreams that we're co-creating together and we're not going to run out of those before we die. So it's highly, highly likely that we'll spend the whole rest of our lives together. Now, again, 33 years old, I've been with my wife for seven years, so this relationship started when I was 26. How did I get here? When many people are into their 40s, 50s, and beyond and still struggling to find it. I did it by taking these quantum leaps in my life. When I stood up on that chair and exposed myself in front of that whole room and said, I have been living my life like a coward. I have been hiding in life. I have not lived my truth. I have not been myself. I took a quantum leap that day. In that moment, I became someone that I had never been before. In that moment, I did something that my entire life before that would not have allowed me to do. Like, I really, I really hope you're understanding what I'm saying right now. Like, in that moment I did that, I took an action that every aspect of my life before that moment would not have allowed me to take. And in the moment I chose to do something that my entire life before that would not have allowed me to do, I transcended my entire life before that. I suddenly reached an energetic and vibrational state 
in which I had never lived before, in which I had never experienced before. And from that energetic and vibrational state, from that different perspective of consciousness, I then understood things about myself and life and other people and relationships that I had never understood before because I could only understand that. I could only draw those conclusions by standing in that place. There was no way I could have seen it or understood it or made sense of it in that way until I got to that place. This is how life works. This is how the universe works. You know, this this thing that you think you are, where you were born some amount of years ago, and in, in in the early days of your life, your parents and caretakers and teachers and, and other people and, and situations you were exposed to gave you a certain idea about who you are, what you're supposed to be, what life is all about. And that was, that was kind of like the, the, the beginning. That was the seed that was planted. And then from that seed, you know, it's like if you plant an apple seed, an apple tree is going to grow. If you plant a lemon seed, a lemon tree is going to grow. You're not going to plant an apple seed and grow a lemon tree, right? And so from those seeds that were planted, if, if your parents and your caretakers planted apple seeds in your childhood, then you're going to grow into an apple tree. Those, those, the, the information that you take on from that starting place is going to be filtered through that apple seed. It's going to be filtered through that certain perspective on life. It's going to be filtered through that certain worldview. And so you're going to grow up and you're going to be an apple tree. And everything about your life is going to reflect apple tree. Your history is going to be the history of an apple tree. It's it's all just going to be an apple tree. That's the only possibility. That's the only, all of the information that was contained in that seed only had information for an apple tree. That's all you've got. And so here you are, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, lived your whole life as an apple tree. And you're like, but I see some lemon trees out there doing some cool stuff. I wonder what it would be like to be a lemon tree. Well, this is, this is the amazing thing about life. And this is human beings are, are so adaptable and so flexible where you actually can become a lemon tree. You can actually see that lemon tree experience. You're like, ooh, that looks fun. I want to know what that's like. I want to get on board with that. You can actually become a lemon tree. But you can't still be an apple tree and become a lemon tree. If you want to become a lemon tree, you've got to stop being an apple tree. And so that moment, and I'm just, I'm going to use the example I've been working with all day because it's what sparked this conversation, right? So there's, for those of you who are maybe just joining in, there was a, there was a woman um, who decided to quit, quit the Inspired Love program. And the reason, the reason she chose to quit was just because the, the work that we were doing there was too uncomfortable for her. And if we, if we take this analogy, we were doing lemon tree work and she's an apple tree. And the program is presenting this opportunity 
You can become a lemon tree right now. You can leave your whole apple tree-ness behind. You can step into a whole new paradigm of life, a whole new understanding of who you are, who other people are, what life is, your relationship to all of it, how powerful you are, how creative you are, how worthy you are. You can step into a whole new experience of all of it. All you got to do is let go of everything you're hanging on to that keeps you where you are. And so this is really the invitation I want to make to all of you. Because whatever that lemon tree reality is for you, right? If you think about a certain life that you could imagine, and maybe it, maybe it, includes, it might include a lot of different things. Right? It might include a certain amount of income where you have a little more freedom in your life. Like, like I was listening to a podcast earlier and they were saying that you know money doesn't buy happiness, which is very true, but money can alleviate sadness or hardship, which makes happiness a little bit easier to get a hold of. Right? So it's not about I'm, I want to make money because it's going to buy me happiness, but if I could buy myself a higher quality of life, I might be able to live more in a way that is truly a reflection of my truth, right? So maybe there's a financial change in your future. Maybe there's a relational change in your future, right? Maybe you want a relationship that transcends all the relationships you had before. Maybe there's a level of trust and intimacy and connection and reliability and all all of this, right? Like maybe there's Maybe there's a level of that that you've never experienced before. Well, again, it's, it's just as simple as, as the analogy we're using, right? Those are lemon tree experiences. Are you, willing to stop be, are you willing to stop being an apple tree? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with apple trees. Apple trees are not inherently better than lemon trees. I'm just giving an example here, right? It's, it's, they're, they're both trees. They're both fine. It's all fruit. But what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that however you have defined yourself up until now in your life, starting with your childhood and being raised up and all the ideas you've taken on and and the context that you have developed around yourself and the identity that you've taken on since the beginning of your life. Well, there are certain things that that makes available and certain things that that makes unavailable. But that identity is not who you are. It's just who you've come to believe that you are. And if you're willing to shatter that identity, you know, oh my God, I could never open myself up in front of a group of people like that. I could never do that. Until you do it. And then all of a sudden, you've become the person who just did something that you could never do, which means you're not the same person anymore. Which means that there are now things available to you in life that were not available before. And so the message for everyone today is that whatever you are avoiding in your life will become your ceiling. Wherever you are unwilling to go, whatever those things are that you say, oh my God, I could never. Well, that's your ceiling. That's where the possibilities stop for you. And until you break through that 
until you transcend that in some way. And I told her this yesterday. I said, look, it doesn't, doesn't have to be through my program. There are lots of ways you can do this. But I want you to know that until you do, nothing is going to change for you. So until you get to the other side of whatever that fear is, nothing is going to change. And I want to say this, this will be the last thing, and then I'm going to open up for some questions. So by the way, um, those of you, if you have questions you want me to speak into, just go ahead and drop them in the chat, and I'm going, to, I'm going to get to them in just a moment. Last thing I want to say is that collecting information is not the same thing as transcending something experientially. I gave the example earlier that there was a period of my life where um, anytime I, I met a woman I was attracted to, I would just go up and, and ask her to get a cup of coffee with me, right? Because intellectually, I knew that I was worthy, but I still didn't feel worthy. I still hadn't broken through that survival, that egoic survival system that had me hardwired to protect myself, right? So yeah, conceptually, I understood I'm worthy. Theoretically, I know that. I'm made by the same God that made everyone. How could I not be worthy? Theoretically, I get it. Problem is, I have this egoic, hardwired survival system that's programmed me to protect myself throughout my life. And so most of the situations in which I would actually experience my worthiness I've avoided because they were too scary. And so what I had to do was open myself up to that rejection and stand in the face of my rejection over and over and over again. And I didn't always get rejected. A lot of times it was a yes. And that was great too. But I got comfortable enough facing my rejection. Again, and I want to be clear, it's not something that was outside of myself. You see, all those, all those women who rejected me, all they were doing, like, thank you. Like, thank you for rejecting me. Because all they were doing was giving me an opportunity to reflect on my relationship with myself. Oh, this person doesn't want me. Does their opinion of me affect how I feel about myself? Oh, it does. Oh, well, that's interesting. Maybe there's a healthier way of relating with this. Maybe there's a way I could live my life in which that person's opinion would not mean so much to me. And then with each rejection I faced, it was like, oh, you know what? I'm still here. Oh, you know what? Not that big of a deal. Actually, you know what? I don't even care. Actually, you know what? If I'm honest, I wasn't even that interested in her to begin with. <laughs> right? like, like just chipping away at the layers until finally there's nothing there anymore. And that's when you become a new person. And so there is, there is the level of understanding it conceptually which is an important level. 
And this is where we read books and listen to podcasts and do self-study things. And, you know, we, 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 we acquire all this information and we make sense of it. That's, that's one stage of it. The next stage of it is when we apply the information. And we apply the information in relationship with other people. So going back to the story I shared where, like, I had, I had, I mean, I was well-educated. I had read a lot of books. I was, I mean, I was even like coaching people to a degree and, and doing some public speaking and things. Like, I was, I was pretty involved in personal development work the night I did that exercise I, I shared about. But that exercise had me experience something that I had never experienced before. And what I realized that was I had a head full of information. I knew a lot of stuff. I knew how to talk. I was really good at it. But what I realized was that I wasn't living it. What I realized was that despite knowing a bunch of information, there was a lot of myself that I wasn't available to. And that's why out of 50, out of 60 people, only three of them thought I deserved to live. Because I wasn't available to myself. And therefore, I wasn't available to anyone else either. I was living behind a construct of who I thought I was supposed to be. I wasn't true to myself. I wasn't honoring myself. And I was smart. But that didn't change the reality of the situation. So there's a difference between understanding the information and applying it. And I just want to I just want to end with this one last point and then I'm going to open up for questions. I, I see some of you drop some questions. If there are any more, just go ahead, drop them in. I'll get to as many as I can. But I just want to bring it full circle. Because I shared this earlier that when I met my wife, when we connected, when our relationship began, that was the culmination of the preparation that had been done over these years. That was the culmination of me facing myself in that training room when only three people wanted me to live. And I could have, I could have explained it away. I could have been like, oh, well, you know, some people do this. Oh, well, they don't know me. If they really knew me, then they would, right? Well, they don't know me. They only, they only met me yesterday. If they really knew me, they would want me to live, blah, blah, blah. I could have done that. But I chose not to do that. What I chose to do instead was face the fact that I spent 24 hours with these people and after 24 hours, they don't think I deserve to live. And that was powerful to open myself up to that. That, that literally changed my life. Because for the first time, I think for the first time in my life in that experience, I was willing to look at parts of myself that I had deeply, deeply repressed. And so that was one level of it. And the experience I shared about rejection, that was another level of it. And all, I mean, all the coaching I've done and all the, I mean, all of it, like every, everything I've done over the years has all been 
part of the preparation making me ready at that point. And the thing is, is none of us know when that point is going to be, right? You don't know when your person is going to come into your life. Again, I, I said earlier, it's already happened for all of you. It's, it's probably happened today, probably going to happen tomorrow. Like it's happening all the time, right? We think, oh my God, it's, it's so hard to find someone in this world. No, it's not. There are 7 billion people. There are people everywhere. What's, what's hard is it's hard to, I don't even want to say it's hard, but it takes time and effort to reach the position where your readiness matches the opportunity that's available. That's the point you're working towards. You're not working towards meeting someone. You meet people all the time. A lot of you, I'd say probably more than half of you, have met people that would have been a perfect partner for you, and you friend-zoned them. And why'd you do that? Because the opportunity was there, but you weren't ready for it. The readiness did not match up with the opportunity. And so, again, we don't know exactly when that point is going to come. We don't know when our readiness is going to match the opportunity, is going to match the opportunity that's there. That point is going to come organically on its own when we're ready for it. But what we can control, what we do have some say in, is how I show up to life today. Do I challenge myself and challenge my fears to become a greater person today than I was yesterday? Or do I allow my fears to cause me to retreat back into my zone of comfort and familiarity? And do another circle there. And what's going to happen, I've used this analogy before, is if you retreat back to your circle of comfort and familiarity, all you're, you're just going to do a lap. You're just going to do a lap and then boom, you'll find yourself right back. Oh, wow. Same thing I avoided last time. It might look a little bit different, but it feels the same. The circumstances might be a little bit different, but the thing I am confronting internally is the exact same. Maybe before it was opening my heart to a group of strangers. Now it's opening my heart to an intimate person that I'm falling in love with. The internal blockage to intimacy is the same in both situations. And if you can't do it over here, you can't do it over here either. So my challenge for all of you is to start to pay attention to those things in life that make you uncomfortable and to walk boldly toward them. Find the things in your life that make you uncomfortable. Find the things in your life that scare you. If you're dating someone right now and you're like, I really want to talk to them about my dreams for the future and where I see this relationship going, but I'm just terrified to do it then fucking do it. Because that is the only thing, whether this relationship goes somewhere or not, that is the only thing that is going to prepare you for the relationship that's right for you. And if you avoid it, here's what's going to happen. You're going to avoid it until that relationship falls apart and that relationship will fall apart because it always does when you don't rise to the occasion. I hope you heard me when I said that. Say it one more time. 
You are going to avoid that conversation until the relationship falls apart. And the relationship will fall apart because it always does when you don't rise to the occasion for it. And then when that relationship falls apart, you're going to start over again. Find yourself in a new relationship, new person, new circumstances, same feeling, same situation. And life is going to give you another opportunity. It's going to say, here, are you ready yet? No, you're not ready? All right, we'll throw this relationship out the window too. On to the next one. And it's going to keep happening until you become so resentful and bitter that you just stop trying and you give up. Or until you rise to the occasion and break through your fear. And even when you rise to the occasion and break through your fear, doesn't mean it's going to be sunset and rainbows. It's just going to rise you to the next level, the next challenge. But here's what I can promise you. Is that if you keep facing up to those challenges, this is what I've done in my life. I've done everything that terrifies me. If you keep facing up to those challenges and those fears, it's not going to happen in any one moment where, oh my God, it all comes together and I have the life I always wanted. But one day you will turn around and you'll say, oh my God, I have everything I want in life. How'd I get here? Just by rising to the occasion time and time and time again. It doesn't even become about getting what you want anymore at that point. It just becomes about being the most full, authentic version of yourself. You see, that's really the tipping point. Is when it stops being about getting what you want. Oh, let me get the relationship. Let me get the money. Let me get this, that, or the other thing. When it stops being about getting what you want. And it simply becomes about being the most authentic version of you. Because there's something in your soul that will not let you settle for less anyway. So I'm afraid to do it. It's scary. It terrifies me. It freaks me out. But I have to do it. Why? Because I couldn't sleep with myself at night if I let my fear make a decision for me. I could not get up in the morning and look myself in the mirror if I was letting fear make the decisions in my life. And so, yes, it's scary, it's terrifying, but I have to do it because I have to be me. When you reach that point, your life will open up for you in the most magical ways. It'll be everything you didn't even know that you wanted and a little bit of what you did know that you wanted. All right. That being said, I'm going to scroll through now, take some questions. Um, go ahead, drop questions you have in the chat and I will get to as many as I can. I'm going to start with this question from Catherine. Um, she says, is it different if you've known someone for a while, if they haven't asked you out in all this time, wouldn't it mean they're not interested and not aligned? Now, uh, thank you for the question, Catherine. Awesome question. Um, I don't, I don't remember exactly the context, like what I was saying when you asked that question, but it doesn't really matter because I, I can I can cover it anyway. Because when you ask the question, you're like, if they haven't asked you out in all this time, wouldn't it mean that they're not interested and not aligned? Well, 
let's let's just look into that a little bit. And thank you so much because I'm going to illustrate something really profound right now. If you are wanting to explain it away that easily, and I know I'm not only talking to Catherine right now, I'm talking to all of you out there who do these beautiful things, okay? So, so uh, hear this for yourself too, because I know you're doing some version of this in your life. Is it different if you've known someone for a while? If they haven't asked you out in all this time, wouldn't it mean they're not interested, not aligned? Well, think about it like this. If you're wanting to explain it away that easily, right? I'm just wanting to explain it away. Oh, they're not interested. They're not aligned. If they were, they would have said or done something by now. Maybe you're right about that, but maybe you aren't. Now, the question we've got to ask ourselves is what is the secret psychological benefit for being right about that? Right? Let's say I'm right. If they wanted it, they would have already said something. So what's the secret psychological benefit for that? Well, if I'm not right about that, maybe I need to say something. Maybe I need to expose myself. Maybe that makes me vulnerable. It opens me up for rejection, right? So there's, there's so much psychological benefit to just saying, oh, if they wanted it, they would have said something by now. And your fear will often justify your lack of engagement in life by saying things like that. Because I know where this question is coming from right now, Catherine. I'm sitting here delivering this conversation to you and you're sitting there in your thoughts and, and I've told all of you many times today, look at the things you're avoiding in your life, right? And so now what happens for you, Catherine, is you're listening to me say this and I say, look at the things you're avoiding in your life and that comes up and you go, oh, well, I thought about talking to that guy, but that's scary and so I've been avoiding that. And then what your ego does is it says, well, no, 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 that doesn't count. Because if it counts like that, he would have said something already. You know, it's been too long. Too much time has passed, right? And, and so what your ego is doing is it's justifying your lack of engagement in life. And this is the thing, Catherine, is it doesn't really matter if you're right or wrong about it. Maybe you're right. Maybe they would have said something. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe they wouldn't have said something. But it doesn't really matter because the juiciest experience in life is not them wanting it or not wanting it. But it's in the moment when you show up to find out if they want it. Like, I want everyone, like, does everybody get that? Do you really realize that that is the only moment that you're really alive? This whole, oh, he likes me, he worships the ground I walk on, he buys me things, he takes me on trips. Like, that's not really being alive. That's just existing. And I'm not, look, if you're in a relationship like that and you're happy, I'm not saying that's wrong. But that's not what being alive is really about. It's not about having everything the way you want it and being all content with it. Like, that's not what being alive really is. Being alive is, are those moments when you don't know if you're going to get what you want. Like I said earlier, when you're standing out on the skinny branches, when you're feeling that pressure, when you're pushing yourself into unfamiliar territory, when you're nervous, like that's when you're alive. And so the reward is not in him wanting it or not. It's not in him asking or not, but it's, it's those moments of engagement when you show up and you're invested 
and your palms are sweaty and you don't know what's going to happen, but you're showing up to find out what's going to happen because you wanted enough anyway, right? It's like, I don't know how it's all going to go, but I wanted enough to be engaged with it. That's when you're alive. And I'm just going to say this, like, this is for everybody. If you're not feeling that at least one time every day, you're not really living. Sorry, you're not. You're coasting, you're existing, you're drifting. Being alive is getting out there in those unfamiliar territory in the, where you're nervous, where you don't know how it's going to go, where you have to bring forth all your best resources, where sometimes you fall flat on your face and you have to learn something, right? Sometimes you knock it out of the park and you feel that satisfaction of, oh my God, I nailed it. Sometimes it's mediocre. Sometimes it's fantastic. But being alive are is when you're being in the places where you don't always get it right. Where it's not always polished and well put together and rehearsed and thought out. So to answer your question, Catherine, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's different or not. The question is, are you going to find the courage in your own heart to get engaged? Or are you going to let your fear justify your lack of engagement and remain in familiar, comfortable territory and and just continue to have life be the same way it's always been? You're not wrong to do that, by the way. you You are such a powerful creator that if you want to create that, you can. And there's nothing wrong with that. Research and the data shows that it's just not a fulfilling way to live, right? Like there's, there's been plenty of studies done on like happiness and fulfillment and like the, the data is there. Like that's just not the most fulfilling way to live. The irony is this, is that if you lived out on those skinny branches, if you were really engaged and, and like going all out in your life and in the scary ways and the challenging ways, like... The, the interesting thing is this, is that even if you didn't get everything you want, you would still have a fulfillment inside of you. Because even if it didn't amount externally to everything you wanted it to, you would know in your heart that you gave it everything you had, right? You would know in your heart that I left it all on the field. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, you know, it worked out or it didn't, but at the end of the day, I know that I brought my absolute best to life. I know that I lived this life with everything that was in my soul to be lived. And so you'll feel fulfilled, even if you don't have all the external things you want. But what I found, it just it, they go hand in hand, is that when you live this way, you tend to get a lot of the external things you want. It's just, it's just a natural result of living your life in that way. So Catherine, sending you lots of love. Get out there. Go for it. Like, this is what I want to say. All the things we're afraid of, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, I just want to go back to Catherine's question for one second because you think about all the mental gymnastics we do and all the hoops we have to jump through to avoid having that conversation. And when you think about what are you really protecting yourself from? 
somebody saying they're not interested? Like, if you could really understand, for Catherine and for everyone, if you could really understand how insignificant someone's interest in you is, like, oh my God, like of all the things in the world to be concerned about, that is like so far on the bottom of the list. It's like, it is like such an insignificant thing, whether or not someone else is interested in you. And yet in our fear-based thinking, in our, in our survival, control, comfort-based way of living, we have raised someone else's opinion of us all the way up here on like the top of the pedestal. It doesn't belong there. It has no utility there. Like it, it's not, like it, it actually, like there's nothing, there's no positive to having it there. There are only negatives to having it there. And it's not true. Like it is, it is one opinion of 7 billion, eight, almost 8 billion. And yet we, we play this weird mental game where we get fixated on very specific people, people that we barely know even. And then we give their opinion of us like this ultimate meaning in life. They're just a random person in 8 billion. Why would you do that to yourself? And so when you go through all these hoops and all these mental gymnastics just to avoid having a conversation with someone and facing a potential rejection, like when you really think about what's the cost of that, so you have a conversation with someone, they reject you, you feel bad for a little while, and then life goes on. And if you're, and this is the kind of counterintuitive thing about it is that if you're really doing the healing work alongside of this, that person's rejection will actually make you feel more worthy. I know that's counterintuitive. A lot of us don't think about it. We think when I get rejected, I feel less worthy. And that's why I spend my whole life avoiding rejection is because I'm trying to feel worthy. Well, that, that's, like, that's like the fearful way to approach it. The courageous way to approach it, this is what I shared earlier about my own experiment with rejection. But it's that, it's that every time you get rejected, you realize fundamentally that nothing has changed about you. You're still here. You're still alive. All is still well. You still have potential and possibility and creativity. So it's like you, you start to realize when you do the healing work alongside of this, that someone else's rejection doesn't actually take anything from you. And you actually become like, you become okay with it. It's like, it's like when I tell you I am okay with people's rejection, it's like, it is so okay with me. And it's like, I remember a time in my life when it wasn't okay. And it's just such a different way to be alive in the world. To have no kind of energy or no kind of feeling on what other people think about me. Now, look, if, if, if people I respect start thinking poorly of me, that's a different story. Right? If my wife starts thinking poorly of me, that, that'll be concerning for me. And I'm going to want to know what I did to create that and how I need to heal it. But random people in the world? It's just, it, it's such a different way to live. And, and I, I say, like, it is a prerequisite to creating love. Because this is what, this is what a lot of, a lot of people don't understand is that all of these things that I'm kind of talking about here, like just a general rejection, like 
let's just say if you were a door-to-door salesperson, for example, like that's a very general rejection, right? Knocking on people's doors, you're going to hear 50 no's for every yes you hear. Uh, Most people are going to slam the door in your face, don't even want to talk to you, right? So you've got to have some kind of thick skin. But that's like, there's not a lot of intimacy in that, right? It's I'm, I'm trying to sell you something. You're not interested in buying. Boom. There's not a lot of intimacy in that, right? It's not very vulnerable. But if you can't be comfortable with that level of rejection, then the level of rejection you face in an intimate situation with another person, like, like a romantic, intimate involvement, it's, it's going to be impossible. Like, it's not going to be hard. It's going to be impossible because you have to integrate that more surface level of rejection first before you have enough courage to go to that deeper level of rejection. And and so this is why I say, like, it it literally becomes a ceiling because if you can't handle the door-to-door salesman kind of rejection, that's a ceiling in your life. it's It's like a place where your life stops. It can't go higher than that. And then all of the relationships in your life are only going to be able to go that far, which is a very surface level of rejection. And the moment any relationship in your life goes that far, it's going to collapse because you don't have the emotional bandwidth to handle it. That's why it's so important to practice out of your comfort zone. I just, I I keep... I keep talking about this, but it, it's just, it's so important to get practice outside of your comfort zone. So I want to um, take this comment from Shannon C. Summers. Um, Thank you for the podcast. I hear you and understand, but I don't know how to make the breakthrough to stop attracting cheaters and liars. I'm trying so hard. Okay. Thank you, Shannon. Wonderful question. I don't know how to make the breakthrough to stop attracting cheaters and liars. I'm trying so hard. All right, so let's let's frame this through today's conversation. And thank you so much for the question. Beautiful, beautiful question. And I'm going to bring it back to everything we've talked about. What are you avoiding? There is some lesson for you, Shannon. There is some there is something inside yourself that you need to access. There's a, there's a place inside yourself that you haven't gone that you need to be willing to go. And maybe, again, I don't know, like if, if you and I were on a coaching call, I'd have a lot of questions for you and, and we would be able to, we'd be able to like shed a lot of light on this, which by the way is what we do in Inspired Love, right? If you were to bring up this question in Inspired Love, we would get right in there, we would create clarity and, and we would know exactly where to go from here. But just on the podcast is the best I can do. I can make some assumptions. I can assume that maybe you are hanging on to people. Like when when they've revealed all those red flags to you, but you don't want to accept the red flags. And so you keep hanging on to people. And it has to get as far down the road to the point where you see without a doubt that this person is a cheater and a liar before you will be willing to end it because you haven't gotten to a place where you're able to be clear enough about what you want and don't want in a relationship and, and be able to assess somebody early on 
on on like smaller criteria, right? Like it doesn't have to go so far. You're able to assess smaller criteria and come to terms with it and say, this is not a fit for me, right? Like, like that would be my first assumption. It would be something in that domain. That there's some work for you to do around being clear about what you want and don't want and your ability to recognize that and walk away from it without it being so bad that they have to be a cheater and a liar. That's one possibility. Another possibility is maybe you have um, some kind of wounding from, from childhood that is causing you to be attracted to people like this. And there's some kind of worthiness wound where if somebody is not a cheater or a liar, you don't, you don't really feel safe. And I know that that sounds weird, right? Like it's, it's sometimes hard to understand how these things work, but like our psychologically, these things don't always make sense, but it's when something feels familiar to us, right? So if, if you say you were in a context of like, my dad cheated on my mom and my whole childhood, I watched my mom like pine after my dad, who was always out cheating on her. Well, now you might feel safe. Like, I mean, literally in your physiology, like your nervous system, right? Might respond to that energy, that cheater liar energy. If that's who your father was, if that's the type of people your mother attracted, if that was, if that was what was in your contextual environment when you were young, that energy might feel very familiar to you. And therefore you might gravitate to that energy. And then what happens is intellectually, you know, you don't want a cheater and a liar, right? So when they start cheating and lying, you leave them. Maybe your mom didn't leave, right? But you've, you've learned from that. And so, you know, like, no, I'm not going to stay with that. I'm going to leave. But it's still in your like nervous system. It's still in your physiology that that's what you, that's what you gravitate towards to. That's what you uh, resonate or are attracted to, or that's what feels safe or familiar to you, right? And so you tend to gravitate towards that. And so there would actually be a, a practice for you of consciously choosing to date people who are very different than that and learning to like rewire your nervous system to that new experience, right? Which is, which is a, a different way of getting out of your comfort zone. So again, I don't know what's true for you, Shannon. These are, these are some possibilities. I would say like, honestly, if you keep hitting a wall and you want to try something new, try the Inspired Love Program. Like, like that would probably be one of the best places to start just to see if there's something that could open up that you haven't tried yet. But, but yeah, like I'm with you right here is that like, Whatever, whatever you're maintaining in terms of comfort and familiarity is what's keeping you stuck. Whatever it is within yourself that you have been unwilling to go or wherever within yourself you have been unwilling to go. Because remember, these liars and cheaters that you're attracting, they're just playing into a game you've set up for them, right? Like there's something that you are seeking to experience with these people that you need them to be there in order for you to have that experience. Like if you weren't seeking this experience, they would not be there in order to fulfill that experience for you. Right now, I know that's, that's tough for some people to accept, but it's the way it works. And so, yeah, I, I really, I would love to dive in and coach you on this, but 
you know, again, what are you avoiding? What are you not facing in your life? Where are you unwilling to go within yourself? What are you maintaining? What are you holding on to that's familiar and comfortable for you that you don't want to let go of, right? Like if you remember the uh, analogy earlier, what's your version of the apple tree, right? What, is, what are all the elements of that apple tree that you don't want to let go of to become that lemon tree, right? That you're holding on to all these attributes and all these elements of your identity that you don't want to let go of, right? So those are some questions I would start with. And um, I'd say start there and continue exploring. And thank you for the question. It's a beautiful question. And sending you lots of love. I know these things can just be so confusing and so challenging. And so thank you for, thank you for sharing. Okay, so this question from Borden4, she, she's asking, uh, sh she shares that I was in a relationship and I was scared to share myself and the relationship predictably incinerated. So... There you go. You got the predictable results from avoiding. There you go. Um, what about when I don't feel safe sharing myself, not just generic fear? Well, I think that's where you've got to do it, right? So there's um there's a quote I heard, and I I can't take credit for this. It's I mean it's been around for years. Lots of people have said it, but it it's something to the effect of speak your truth even if you do it with a shaking voice. Right. And I've often, I've often said in the program, like when I'm working with students, I'll be like, listen, this is your next step. Go do this. Even if you do it with a shaking voice, right? Because there's something that happens in the experience of doing it that changes us. It's not about being able to do it perfectly. It's not even about being able to do it well. It's the willingness to go where we have been previously unwilling to go. So it's okay if you don't feel safe sharing yourself. Do it anyway, right? You might be in a relationship and you might say, oh, like, I don't want to share that about myself. It's embarrassing. Or, oh, what are they going to think of me? Or, oh, they're going to judge me. Do it anyway. Because if that relationship is going to implode over you sharing something honest about yourself, then that person never really would have loved you. Right? Like if, you're, if your vulnerability drives someone away, and when I say vulnerability, I'm not talking about desperation, okay? Desperation will drive someone away because it's weak and it's pathetic. And nobody wants to marry or, or commit to someone who's weak and pathetic. Like just, you don't want that for yourself. Why would anyone else want that? So desperation will drive people away. Vulnerability will only drive the wrong people away. Now, what's the difference between desperation and vulnerability? Desperation says, please want me. I can't live without you. That's desperation. I'm helpless. I'm powerless. I need you. Please want me. Please love me. Please give me what I need. That's desperation. Vulnerability is, I really like you. I really want this relationship to go somewhere. I can see us falling in love. I could see all my dreams coming true with you. Like, I want you so much that it scares me a little bit how much I want you. And if you don't feel the same, I am 100% willing to let this go and walk away from it. That's vulnerability. You see, desperation is like, please don't hurt me. Please love me. Please take care of me. Please don't hurt me. Vulnerability is, you might hurt me. And I'm willing to rise to that occasion. 
Those are two completely different energies. Now, desperation will always drive people away. You know, you might get what you want momentarily by being desperate. In the long run, you will always drive people away with desperation. Vulnerability is amazing because it attracts, it's magnetic to the right people and repulsive to the wrong people. So if you're vulnerable and somebody doesn't have the ability to be vulnerable themselves, like somebody they just can't handle your vulnerability, well then what's going to happen is your vulnerability is going to drive them away because there's a fundamental incompatibility there, right? Your heart is deeper than theirs. Your emotionally available for places within yourself and within the relationship that they are not available for. And so your vulnerability is going to push them away. They are going to be too uncomfortable with your vulnerability to stay in the relationship. And that is a good thing because I want someone who's just as deep as I am. Vulnerability will be magnetic to the right person because they will say, oh my God, I have been looking my whole life for someone who could be this vulnerable and I have finally found them. They will also say like, oh my God, I don't want to let you go because I know how hard it is to find someone who's this vulnerable. And the fact that you and I can relate in this way means we have something special and I want to hold on to it. And if you withhold your vulnerability, one, you will probably eventually fall into desperation. Or you'll go to the other extreme, which, which would be avoidance. Right? So, so you, either, you either go into like extreme anxiousness or extreme avoidance when you're not vulnerable. And so what I would say to your question what about when I don't feel safe being myself? Be yourself anyway. Maybe you stop in that moment. Maybe you say, hold, hold on, I need to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Maybe you go to the bathroom and you sit there for a moment and you say, what is the truest version of myself? And you just visualize that and you just take a moment. And you say, you know, if I was really holding nothing back, who would I be? How would I be? And maybe right there while you're sitting in the bathroom, you just commit to yourself. You say, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be that. I'm going to tell those jokes. I'm going to share those stories. I'm going to laugh. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to risk it. I'm just going to try it. And then you get out there and you go do it. To the best of your ability. And, and I want you to hear this. like The best of your ability today will be very different than it is five years from now. If you start today and you practice this for five years, what you are able to do five years from now will be way more than what you're able to do right now. That's okay. You only have to do your best for right now. All right, great question. Do it anyway. You're scared, do it anyway. You're afraid, do it anyway. You're nervous, do it anyway. It's uncomfortable, do it anyway. You don't know what's going to happen, do it anyway. Right? Like, practice really being alive. Practice feeling that nervousness inside of yourself and saying, I'm okay with this. I don't need to escape from this. I can actually, I can go further into it. So this is from uh, 
Medha Gupta. She says, so the fact that I feel scared to be authentically myself has nothing to do with me on a personal level, but it's just my faulty fear-based thinking that's driving the behavior. How liberating. Not a question, but amazing comment, right? Yes, it has nothing to do with you. Like, this is the funny thing. And this is actually what, so in in the Inspired Love program, and I just want to share this because like this really this really shines such a light on what's really going on for us is one of the biggest things we work with in the program is shame. And and what shame really is, is shame is the false idea that there is something fundamentally wrong with who I am. I'd say if you want to learn a little bit about this, Brene Brown is probably one of the best people. She is, she is like dissected this conversation to just the, the farthest degree. She's amazing in her work. Um, but we all, we all have this weird idea that there's something fundamentally wrong with us. Like it's, it's not like, it's not like I just don't look as good as another person or I'm just not quite as smart as another person. It's not that it's like fundamentally there is something wrong with me that is right with everyone else, but it's wrong with me. That's, that's really what shame is, is this idea that there's something wrong with me. And then it gets projected onto everything. It gets projected onto our looks and our eating habits and our relationships. And then, and it starts to become the reason for everything, right? Well, they don't like me because there's something wrong with me or they, or I'm not accepted or I'm not lovable or whatever. I don't have a relationship or all this stuff, right? And what you're speaking into here is like, yes, it's all a hype, All of your shame, like I want everyone to get this. All of your shame is a hype. It's something that you've invented in your mind based on your fear. All of those things like, oh, I could never do that because X, Y, Z will happen. Or, oh, if they rejected me, I could never live. It's all a hype. None of it's real. There is nothing really wrong with you. There is nothing about you that is fundamentally and truthfully less than any other human being on this planet. You might say, oh, well, I weigh too much, or I look right, or I don't look right, or I don't, or I do this or that or the other thing, or I got kicked out of school, or I flunked, or I didn't get a good job, or like, you might have all kinds of criteria, all kinds of evidence. It's just a story. It's just a narrative. It's just something you've been telling yourself, but it's all a hype. None of it's real. And so, yes, to speak into this comment, the fact that you feel scared to be authentically yourself has nothing to do with anything that's true about you. Has nothing to do with anything that's real about you. It is a result of faulty fear-based thinking that is driving your behavior. There is a voice in your head that says, no, 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 you can't do that. It's not safe. It's not okay. You'll get hurt. You'll lose love. You'll lose acceptance. You'll be judged. You'll be rejected. People won't like you. You'll be left out. And I think our greatest journey as human beings is to confront that thinking in our own, in our own mind and in our own heart. Right? It's to... It's to make a a personal choice for ourselves 
that yes, I have these thoughts, I have these fears, I have this trauma, which this is all trauma. So yes, this is happening for me. And even though this is happening for me, I am going to choose not to limit myself in any way because of it. I truly think that is our human journey. It's to work with the contrast and become the most authentic and empowered versions of ourselves within it. And when we do that, love and all the other amazing things in our life come to us in very natural ways. Because we are bringing the energy, as I said earlier, that gives us a rightful claim to our dreams. I'm going to close it out with that. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you for being with me today. It is always an honor, always a pleasure um, to be with you. Sending so much love to all of you wherever you are. Hope this message has landed for you and created a positive difference in your life. And I'll be back here next Tuesday. Much love, many blessings. See you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.